There's likely nothing surprising or, or new to think about Jesus wanting his disciples, wanting us to have an awareness, and perhaps even better said, a self-awareness, about the ways that we miss the mark in, in following him. Peter's following Jesus begins with him confessing in a boat after all, and here and in countless other places, Jesus implores us to have, a, have the courage to take good, honest looks at ourselves on a regular basis. Jesus was consistently making it clear that we need not lord it over others when they sin, when they miss the mark, while we choose to be blind to our own. This is the path that we're taught, and it leads us towards redemption and grace. And the wisdom for us is that when we keep making the same mistakes without awareness, when we choose to harbor hatred or hardened hearts towards others for too long, it only weighs us down and robs us of life. And because of grace, we know redemption. And we know how to chart a new way forward. Yet the gospel for which we believe expands this conversation beyond ideas about our personal faith. We are communal. We are a community together. And this wisdom is no less important. We think about developing this community that we call the church. Creating, strengthening, and helping families endure the things that we face. And communities facing all the, the challenges that they face with an eye towards not judgment, but redemption. All of these spheres of our life and the human experience, we believe, can benefit from, from a solid understanding of forgiveness and mercy and redemption. But this kind of work is hard. And if there's any doubt about how hard, Jesus makes it clear for us here today and, and in many other ways. He begins this section with a very interesting parable saying that before we could, would cause people to stumble, we'd be better off putting a millstone around our neck and going sweeping, swimming in deep waters. And that's get your attention. But what is the nature of this stumbling that he talks about? Well, let's keep reading. He says to them, and, I, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but opportunities to fall short and to miss the mark and to sin, they're going to come for all of us. And it's a serious matter when we fail and when we don't hit the mark. Even so, Jesus says to us that if we cause those who stumble to stumble even more because we're too harsh or unforgiving, that's on us. So be weary. And he acknowledges that accountability for sin, it is important. We can't overlook. But forgiveness, when it's asked for and when it's sought, we are to give it. Now we might ask, okay, I'm following you here, Jesus. I'm tracking with you, but so how often do we have to forgive? He says seven times in a day, and each time we are to forgive. Now, what he means here is that as many times as it takes, that's how often we forgive. Now, if this is true, we might have some important questions to ponder and to ask. Because does Jesus really mean for us to perpetually forgive? Accepting unhealthiness and bad choices or oppression or injustices? 
This idea of repetitive and cyclical offenses, enduring empty promises to folks promise to do better but do not, well, it can wear thin on a person after a while. I've been there. Can't this just seem like another way of causing people to stumble, not holding them accountable enough? Now, I love and I understand, I think, better than I might want to admit, the response of the disciples to this request. Their immediate response is to say, well, okay, we get you, Jesus, but we're going to need more faith to do this. <laughs> we're going we're to need more than we got to do this kind of forgiving, Jesus. Because have you not seen some of the things that we can do that need forgiving? Maybe we can all understand the request. Nadia Bowles Weber is a former but founding pastor of a church called House for All Sinners and Saints in Colorado. She wrote a book called Accidental Saints, Finding God in All the Right People. It's about how God can use us as agents of grace, even in our brokenness and in our messiness, in our imperfectedness, you might say, if I can make up a word. She's openly shared her own struggles with recovery and addiction and she knows how redemption works in the real, lived out, and often messy realities of life. But she writes that we all hide things from ourselves and from God and others. That time we punished or scolded our child too hard. The time we had to erase our browser history. The time we said something that was unnecessarily hurtful. That time that we can all fill in the blank, perhaps. Her point being that we can be good at hiding things that, that we really are. We all have that shadow side and that part of us that needs redeeming. And as an old chain-smoking guy in her 12-step program said to her, you're only as sick as your secrets, kid. We all know what it's like to struggle. And to struggle with those things we know we ought not do. And to, to struggle with those who keep doing those things they ought not do. And cycles and bad choices can wreak havoc on, on families and communities. And as and I've already said, decades of broken promises can wear on the soul, but not just individually, but communally. Indeed, oh Lord, give us more faith if that's what you want of us. Have you ever prayed for more faith or asked for more faith? How would we know if we were to get more faith, how would we know or how would we measure it if it came to us? Would we even know it? When the disciples asked for more faith, how did they imagine it coming to them? Faith is not some bankable, collectible item that we can hold on to or, or bag up for later. And I think Jesus would agree with that. So in response to this question about giving us more faith, he tells another story. It's about a mustard seed. He says, if you had the, the faith, even the faith the size of a mustard seed, you could uproot trees that stand before you now and plant them in the ocean where they could not grow, and they would do that. You could do those things. You could do the unthinkable. You could do the impossible with the faith of a mustard seed. But that, he says, if you had, seems to imply they don't have it. In fact, if you pinched a mustard seed between your two fingers, you really couldn't see it, could you? That's how small they are. Visualize that for a moment alongside Jesus' words. 
because the ramifications here do seem to be that they don't have faith. Yet, I don't think he's criticizing them. I don't think he's trying to make them feel bad, even. I think he's telling them they have a wrong idea about what faith is in the first place. Now, some would say, and maybe gravitate towards Jesus being harsh to the disciples, accusing them of not having faith and teaching us, don't be like those folks. Maybe this is because we like to think of Jesus in this way of calling out and and holding folks accountable and making them feel bad for not having faith. Maybe that has more to say about us than it does Jesus, though. What if instead we listened with a more gracious ear? What we might hear is Jesus saying, you don't need more faith. Maybe we can imagine Jesus smiling even as he talks and saying, you already have what you need to do in what I ask you to do here. I venture to think about it this way in the last few days. Now we know the sole purpose of Jesus' coming was to heal the sick, to forgive those who sinned. That's why he came. He said to us one point, if I come as a physician, I don't come to heal those who are well, I come to those who, who need healing. And if this is true, we have to consider Who was it that Jesus was surrounded with? Think about the crowds that gathered around him. The nature of those folks. The Pharisees did, as we have learned a lot over the last few weeks. And what they saw about Jesus' company was, well, repulsive to them at times. In other words, what I think Jesus in part is saying to us here is, get used to this. Get used to getting to know people who have messed up. People who have been hurt. Get used to getting to know people who have felt guilty for far too long in their lives. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't be judgmental of that. Don't think less of them. Be forgiving. And forgive them until they come to see that your love for them is real. And do it how many times? As often as it takes. Faith is not handed to us as if in some measure of grains. Faith is something that we work out like a muscle in order for it to grow. And we use faith by doing it, by doing the work of forgiving and serving in the name of Christ. Faith is is something we grow into and we, we grow into it by such things. I don't know about you, but sometimes faith feels like a suit that's five times too big for me, which there are not many of those around, but that I have to grow into. It doesn't quite fit yet, but but there's room to grow, in other words. That's faith. It's not something we put on our shoulders or or carry around. It's something we, we, we live into. And as a church and as disciples, we will only grow stronger by putting it to work. We need to know that faith is a choice that we make. And we must seize every opportunity we have to do and to serve in these ways. We must take seriously helping each other to do the right things, but then forgiving each other when we don't. Caring for those in need, protecting the vulnerable, befriending the lonely, and contributing to the common good of every community that we're in. This work will not win us praises or prizes very often, and sometimes we'll fall short. Forgiveness can be really hard work. It is hard work. And the process of it, does not come with a lot of glory. Even so, 
It is immeasurably life-giving. As Methodist Bishop Kenneth Carter says, we don't need to do great things. We need to do a lot of small things with great love. We don't need more faith. We need to use the faith we have. I think it helps to remember that Jesus, one who was without sin, is not ashamed of us. Jesus came to us, we who missed the mark, calls us his own. In his book, Telling the Truth, the Gospel is Tragedy, Frederick Buechner once wrote that the gospel is bad news before it's good news. I love that turn of phrase. The bad news is that we fall short. Sin has its way with us, and we do not, as we will say during communion litany today, not love our neighbors we should. That's the bad news. Yet there's good news. The good news is we're loved anyway. Have you ever seen bad news lately? Have you ever felt like redemption is not possible in this world, that, that things cannot get better? Well, if you have, today's gospel story says otherwise. All things are possible in God. Now, the last part of this passage seems a bit odd to me, but I think it really concludes well this, this dialogue about servants and, and serving because I think what Jesus is trying to say to us is that God does not heal us because we have more or less faith. God heals us because God is God. God does not love us more or less because of how much faith we had. God simply is love. And he can't help but love us. So should it be for us. So must it be between us that we love and forgive Simply because that's who we are. And once more, because of this, never fret about how much faith you have. No need to compare your faith with that of anyone else's. Take no credit for your faith and never feel overwhelmed by not having enough of it because it is a gift of grace from God. And today we celebrate World Communion Sunday. And we reflect on the faith that we have as a church Local, national, global, cosmic. This faith that we are a part of has the power to overcome all that wants to divide us. And this faith can help us to live and love without condition. Sometimes this is hard for us to see. We seem to want to do our best to find ways to divide ourselves on just about every level of life. And it feels overwhelming to think that God thinks that we can do this, but we can. And so we may want to say as the disciples, okay, Jesus, you're going to have to increase our faith because I don't think I can do this. And Jesus answers today and he says, done. You've got it. You've got all the faith you need. Now live into it. Let us face the reality of what can be a broken and hurting world, a divided and a dividing church families, communities, and nations, and declare with our collective faith, our cosmic faith, that forgiveness and redemption are possible with God's help. And so the invitation today is to simply open yourself up to faith. We don't grab hold of faith. Faith grabs hold of us. And when faith grabs us, the reality is God will lead us to lives of love and forgiveness, redemption and hope again and again and again 
and again. And for that, may we be thankful. And with that, may we come to Christ's table yet again, redeemed and forgiven.